from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's Podcast, episode 256, The Castle Run, G.I. Joe, a.k.a. The Weasel Taunts Me. I'm your host, Ryan. OU812, scan the Star Joe's agents best suited for this mission. Personnel selected, Anthony Hausseal, custom toy builder and G.I. Joe expert, codename Powerhouse. And welcome back, everyone. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is a fun one to come back to. Uh, we have been away from covering the Castle Run uh, G.I. Joe, a uh, real American hero. This is of the original Marvel run, uh, but we are going to be covering issue 19 today. And uh, I look back, and the last time we covered an issue was almost a year ago, not quite a year ago, so I'm glad it hasn't been a year, <laughs> but we got really, really dangerously close. Um, so I was like, I want to get back, much like I said last episode, want to get back true to form of Star Joe's, cover cartoons, cover some comic, the classic comic stuff, we're going to get into movie things, um, toys, we'll start, you know, talk about uh, toys again and everything else, so... Getting back to classic Star Joe stuff, and with with a few other things here and there that we picked up along the way. But joining me tonight, you heard him uh, mention uh, Anthony uh, Houseels joining us. Uh, thank you for coming and joining us tonight. Thanks for having me, man. This is gonna be a blast. Yeah, this is this is a good one uh, to be covering. I, I know you mentioned uh, to me through Messenger that like you didn't realize uh, what an impact this issue was. Like when you start reading, you're like. Oh my God! A lot happens in this issue. <laughs> it gets dark. Yes. Fast. Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I'm I'm thrilled to be covering this one. We are getting very very close, of course, to the classic issue 21, uh, which we will absolutely cover in its entirety. Uh, I I have like the nice hardcover uh, edition of that that gets a lot of behind the scenes stuff. So 
when we get up to issue 21, uh, I will be doing my homework on that one, uh, especially. Uh, I did do some homework on this one as well, uh, as far as just... Well, issue 21 should be a fast one, because there's no dialogue in it. Well, true. <laughs> Still a lot to describe. Um, and I think what I'm going to do for issue 21 is I'm also going to cover the, the uh, Jeremy Dale issue that came in the comic uh, two-pack, uh, because it's the same story from a different perspective. So uh, I think that'll be a, a good thing to cover, so... Um, so yeah, uh, like I said, thrilled to have you here, uh, in case anyone's, uh, wondering, uh, you heard in the intro too, that I am now using Grub's suggestion of, uh, bringing mask elite type people on here to help me with this. Uh, Anthony, I know you have a long, deep love of, of GI Joe, so you were a perfect person to bring on for, for this episode. But yeah, uh, a lot of the other guys couldn't make it tonight or chose not to. Uh, I was telling Anthony before the episode started that Chuck said he was working, and I told him that's no excuse because he has Skype on his phone, so he could just take a break or whatever and join the episode. But uh, uh, I did not mention this last episode, but uh, the, one of the reasons that we're tr- one of many reasons that we're getting back true to form is because I've get, gotten a lot of flack from. People who are not showing up on the episodes, but have told me that I need to get back to doing classic Star Joe stuff because that's the stuff they miss. And then I tell them, "Okay, you can come on," and then they don't come on, and so that so they they lose. So I will ridicule them publicly the next time they come on the episode, uh, but I'm not going to mention names right now. So. <laughs> um, but I wanted to give everyone a quick comic update uh, for Stealth Hammer. Uh, because it's it's my show, and I get to do it, and those that didn't like the fact that I was covering my comic on the show, uh, too bad. Uh, so <laughs> what we're going to do, I uh, just want to let it's everyone your know. Circus, it's your monkeys. You can do whatever you want. That's right. That's right. Uh, but I will keep it brief. I will keep it short, uh, although I'm not known for doing that. Um, uh, the the comic is doing very, very well. Uh, it has sold at my local comic shop. They have sold, at last I heard, 64 issues of it, um, which is more than some Marvel and DC titles. <laughs> um, so that's been phenomenal. Like they, I gave them 40 issues. Uh, well, I didn't give them 40 issues. I sold them 40 issues. Sold them 40 issues. They sold all 40 within like five days. Um, and then I sold them 20 more. Uh, they got down to seven of those, and they contacted me because News Channel 5 did a video, an article on me, um, I, and how that happened, just tr- clear transparency. There was a writer for News Channel 5 that did, I had reached out to uh, all the news stations back when I first did the Kickstarter. And he was kind enough to do an article about the Kickstarter and the comic and everything else. And so when it was, when everything's been successful, just recently I reached out to him just to say thank you and let him know it was successful and here's a digital copy of it. I really appreciate it. I thought you'd like to check it out and everything else. He reached out to me and said, Hey, would you like to do like a recording of actual video recording talking in like an interview? And I was like, that would be awesome. So we did that and did a nice four and a half minute video, uh, interviewing, uh, about it and then that got enough traction and attention that they then contacted me and, uh, well, they didn't contact me. They decided to do an on-air thing. I didn't even know. <laughs> they decided to take that recording and they went to my comic shop and did some B-footage filming 
the comic shop contacted me and said, hey, do you know that they're here filming this because they're going to put it on the air tonight? And I was like, no. And the guy who did the original interview with me didn't contact me until Monday. Well, the thing aired on Saturday. And he's like, sorry, I should have gave you a heads up, but here's a link to the video and stuff like that. So thankfully, the comic shop let me know. And I was able to watch it live, which was super exciting. But they wanted to buy 20 more issues because they said anytime something appears on the news, typically people are coming in the next day going, hey, I want to buy that thing that was on the news. <laughs> so they wanted to make sure they had plenty. So, um, And then Chuck, who everyone knows and is sadly missing on the episodes, but hopefully one of these episodes he'll decide to come back on. Uh, he is He has been invited every single time the last few episodes. He just has not made it. Um, but... He um, he was just up at the comic shop yesterday, uh, as of us recording this, recording this Tuesday night of the 27th of April, and uh, he said there was only, uh, I think he said 16 issues left. So they sold 11 issues in like 24 hours uh, after that news thing came out. And I just watched them do a video tonight, because every Tuesday night my comic shop does a nice video talking about the new titles that are out, and the stack looks a lot smaller. Uh, today. So things are selling really well. Tomorrow morning, I am going to be doing a live interview for in Columbus. And by the time you hear this, it will have already happened, but I will be doing a live interview with Good Day Columbus. Uh, and they reached out to me. That one I did not reach out to anybody for. They literally like reached out to me, out to me blindly and said, would you like to come on and talk about the comic? And I was like, that would be awesome. So it's selling really well. It has sold so well, in fact, I've had so many people reach out to me and wanting to buy it directly, and I've been shipping it out and everything else, that I am almost out of my original 500 copies of it. So I have actually, and this is without me reaching out to any comic, other comic shops in the country, without me going to conventions, without me doing much of anything. Uh, so I uh, was able to actually, my wife and I talked about it, and we were able to uh, order 500 more issues. So... Uh, the price per Second issue is printing. Just, yes. Yeah. Another printing. Um, we're keeping it the same as the first printing. So we're not doing like a second print run. We're still considering this the first print run, but any, if we do anything after this, it will be a second print run and I might do like a different cover or something like that for it. But all of this being said, the good news of this is that the fact that it's getting so much media attention, even though it's just locally, it's still amazing. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying the journey. Uh, and the fact that I have to print more so that I have copies for conventions and to reach out to other comic shops, I'm really hoping that I can use this for uh, getting a, a publisher to want to pick it up. Like if it's if it's doing this well, I'm hoping it's because people are really enjoying it and they really like what they're seeing, and I'm hoping a publisher can recognize that. And I'm sure going to use wherever I can use that to my advantage to say, hey, look, this is getting media attention, everything else. I want to keep telling this story. People want to keep reading this story. Let what what can we do? So um, the tough part is that every publisher has a different requirement about how you submit a pitch to them. So it's going to be a long process, but I'm I'm committed to doing one to two pitches to a publisher per week until I get somebody to pick me up. So so we will see how that goes. And I shouldn't say picks me up, picks us up because uh, Joel is along for the is along for the ride doing the art. Uh, last I heard through communication. Ross is on board for doing the, the coloring. Uh, Dave is on board for doing the lettering. So um, that also helps in getting something picked up by publishers when you already have a creative team put together. So um, they like that because they don't have to work on finding people for you. So 
So that's my long-winded short <laughs> version of what's been happening with the comics. So, um, Anthony, before we get into it, is there anything been going on in your life lately that you wanted wanted to share? You don't have to, but you can certainly feel free to talk about anything you'd like to before we dive deep into the issue. Nowhere near as impressive as yours has been. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm not publishing a comic book or you know yeah. getting on TV or anything, so. Uh, how am I supposed to follow that? <laughs> I, I'm hoping that I can continue making that very difficult for people. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm keeping busy, you know, uh, working on custom 3D printing parts through uh, through my small little uh, production company, whatever you want to call it, Facebook page called the Toy Forge. You know, yeah. I'm sure we'll do. You know, where you can find us later on at oh, the yeah. end of this thing. Absolutely. But, you know, yeah. I've been. Uh, just trying to stay busy between that, you know, working uh, with a 24-7 on-call job and uh, wife and four kids. And, yeah, no, I'm, I'm – and, and a pandemic. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty busy, too. Yeah, I, I, I would say so. Four kids alone is busy enough. So. <laughs> yeah. If anything, we're giving you a break tonight and letting you relax a little bit by covering this. <laughs> Don't say that publicly. <laughs> People might hear that. <laughs> That's true. You don't want to put that out in the airwaves. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm never doing one again. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's jump into the issue here. Uh, so uh, first off, wanted to uh, for everyone to know like where we're reading the issue from. Uh, neither one of us is reading it from the actual original issue, so we won't have any like ads to, to comment on or anything like that. So I apologize for that. But. Uh, Anthony, where are you reading the, where are you reviewing this issue from? So I am reading Classic G.I. Joe Volume 2 from IDW that came out, uh, a couple of years ago. Okay. Very nice. Uh, and I am, uh, as always going through, uh, the G.I. Joe, the complete collection Volume 2, which should, I should just add to it, like, not complete collection, cause I don't know if they're ever gonna complete it. Um, volume nine, I don't think is ever going to come out hoping crossing my fingers that the snake eyes movie is really good and people are really wanting GI Joe and IDW goes, okay, we're going to finally finish that, com- that quote unquote complete collection. So, um, but I, I do have the rest. So I have what up through volume eight is what they did. I have up through volume eight and then I have everything else in the trade versions, uh, after that. So I do have the entire story you know, run, uh, in some form or another, but, uh, but yes, this is coming from the, the hardcover complete collection. Uh, I know some people actually got rid of theirs because it seems like they're not going to finish it off. I'm not ever doing that. I like hard hardcovers too much. So, um, all right. So this is, uh, the credits for this is we have Larry Hama is the, uh, scripter, Mike Vosberg on, uh, pencil and breakdowns, uh, John uh, D'Agostino is, uh, does finishes. Rick Parker is the letterer. George uh, Russos is the colorist. Linda Grant is the editor. And Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. Uh, first thing I wanted to touch on is uh, the cover itself, which is yeah. pretty awesome. So Yeah, that, that his tank is on steroids. <laughs> it very much is. <laughs> that yeah, that's a that's a monster of a his tank. Now the thing I love with this cover, uh, much like we've talked about in past issues, is what you see on the cover is kind of what you get in the issue, which doesn't happen too often nowadays. 
Um, my, my only complaint is there's not enough rock and roll in the issue. Ah, okay. Yeah, I can, I can understand. I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a rock and roll enthusiast and, uh, if you give me 20 panels of rock and roll, I want 25. Yeah, there you go. I, I can understand it. That's, I was just talking with Grub earlier today and he's really hoping that the classified line will come out with Dusty. He's a huge Dusty fan. He says, if they come out with Dusty, I will probably buy five of them. <laughs> so. Yeah, that, that classified, that's a whole nother. Well, when we get to doing toys episodes and we've got John with all his great yes. hunts and scores in the wild, we can discuss classified for a while. But oh, yeah. I think, I think we're going to see Dusty in the next, if the line stays, stays afloat. Right. I think, uh, I think we'll see Dusty a lot sooner than later. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, and the way the line has been selling, I don't see an end in sight, which is a good thing. Um, and I think they're, as they're going along, they're doing a better and better job of capturing the characters. Um, yeah, they just aren't putting enough out in the uh, stores for us to be able to get them. Right. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. So, um, so on the cover here, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I always get thrown off because when he has the helmet on, but that does look like Hawk in the front. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if that was Hawk or if that was going to be Grunt, but I guess yeah. it would be Hawk. Yeah. Especially because he's in the issue. Um, uh, maybe and, because of the red collar. I think it's because of the yeah. red collar, maybe. It yeah. Set him off. Yeah. And then uh, we have Stalker. Uh, it looks like that, I would assume that's rock and roll behind Stalker. Um, Correct. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine that being anybody else. Um, and we got uh, Breaker there. And I think that's Flash to the... Uh, if I remember right, Flash is the one with the red pads. Um, I believe so, yes. And then, well, with the laser. Yeah, so. laser, right. And uh, Scarlet's there. And then we got Destro up on the His Tank. So it's it's just an all-action, awesome... Like, as a kid, if this would be one that would gravitate, my, my eyes would just immediately go to it because it's like this awesome action shot. So, um, so definitely love that. Um, I'm going to go through the issue. Uh, Anthony, at any point, feel free to interrupt and stop me. I will try to pause whenever I can. Um, but I'll go through uh, page by page what is happening, and anything you want to interject, please feel free to do so. Sure thing. Um, so we open up, and we have a bunch of Joes. They are uh, evidently playing shirts and skins, and... <laughs> Way more skins than shirts. Uh, putting Looks together. Like it's a calendar shoot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's Amber Crombie and Fitch. Uh, <laughs> but they, uh, they are, uh, building like a, basically a prefab fortress. Uh, and we don't really know all the details as to why they're doing this. They've just been instructed to do so. Uh, we have, uh, Gung Ho, uh, talking about the Baroness who's being wheeled by, uh, Doc and Snowjob, and had that not been stated in there, I would not have known that was Snowjob because he's in green. Yeah, yeah, that that one threw me off for a little bit, and it's kind of crazy when Gung Ho is one of the most dressed characters on the page. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, and uh, I do love the fact that Snowjob points out that Gung Ho's accent goes in and out because when you're reading him, there are those sentences where it's like, okay, they definitely went heavy with the, you know, the 
accent, but then there's other sentences where it seems completely perfectly fine. And then I love the fact that they put in, that Hama put in the fact of Doc, like playing with Snow Job about that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I, I'm trying to, I was trying to read what he was, what they had written down it was what you, what, what you talking what about? What you talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Show do sound the same to me, you know. It's yeah. it's a uh, it's a little uh, a little rough, a uh, little Cajun there, but yeah. I guess we'll go with it. Yeah. Uh, of course, the first thing that popped in my head since this is an '80s thing was when I see what you're talking about, man. I, I of course think Willis strokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have Baroness. She's all bandaged up, looking like mummy there. Uh, so she's not in good yeah. shape. Uh, going to the next page there. Uh, we have uh, again. Uh, we have. General Flag and uh, Hawk. And of course, because, and I know they change them later, and it's a good thing because Hawk looks so much like Duke right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, than, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to differentiate except for the uniform. I was going to say, other than the uniform, that's the only thing that, throw, that lets you know. Um, so they talk about how uh, Scarface is there, and Scarface is telling them about how Cobra injected them with this virus to then infect the base. And they're just not believing it, because why would Cobra do that and then allow him to be able to tell them the fact that he has this? And why is he willing to give this information up so so freely? And Scarface reaches down and into his boot, and Stalker immediately catches him, and he's like, what do you have here? And um, Scarface points out that it's the antidote, and that's why he's willing to, to talk about it, because he knew he had the antidote on him. Uh, and he talks, he goes into great detail as far as, like, the journey that this antidote went on <laughs> through him still having it now. Um, and then uh, General Flag wants to talk to uh, Hawk outside, and Hawk tells Stalker, like, you know, if anything, if he tries to do anything at all, you know, basically take care of him. Uh, they have a whole conversation, uh, General Flag and Hawk do, about how, uh, you know, what are they going to do in regards to this? Because Cobra is obviously trying to locate where the pit is, uh, where Joe Headquarters is. And Hawk says, I, I have a plan. And General Flag's like, of course you do. Uh, because you're Hawk, and of course you would have a plan. Um, it's an interesting plan, and we'll talk about the logistics of the plan later. <laughs> but and, and and it's interesting the the uh, some of the words choices of uh, of of words that are used, how relevant they are in today's standards. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, they like to throw that word quarantine out pretty quickly, right? Oh now. yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Um, I like, though, that they have uh, essentially a dollhouse of the pit to kind of show how things work. <laughs> well, you know, it, there's a couple of things I wanted to go before we go to the yeah. next page. Yeah. I, I wanted to take notice how how rough Stalker gets with the prisoner, you yes. know, where he's just about breaking his wrist to grab that thing out of him. And then he's, you know, uh, I'll make him bounce if you say so, Hawk. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, there's, there's got to be stuff in the Geneva Convention about treating prisoners of war, and we're GI Joe does not have to follow that. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. But the other thing that I wanted to comment on, and it's throughout the whole book, yeah. and just in general for the run. Sure. You know, aside from, if I'm 
correct. The reason why 21 came out the way that it did was because they were short on time and they just kind of scripted it together and, and did it the way they had to. I prefer the backgrounds not being so overly detailed and it kind of yeah. allows you to focus on the characters and the story. Every one of these backdrops from, from the top with Scarlet, which is a green backdrop to a white backdrop when Hawk flag stalker and uh, Scarface are together. And then there's an orange backdrop and then they're in the office talking and the wall is just a green wall with a, with a orange or yellow looking door. Like that's how you get it done. Let's, let's just, let's put it out there. Let's show the characters. Let's get the story. Let's keep it moving. It's, it's, it's very eighties and you know, very seventies and eighties Marvel house, I guess, style. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and speaking of it being very 80s, uh, it is uh, a lot of words. A, a lot, like yes. I'm looking at this two-page spread, and it's like word balloon city. Um, and I get it. There, there, there. Just there's a lot to describe, and there's a lot of context there. And I don't really feel like. I mean, could you edit some of it out, maybe? But I really didn't feel like there was much wasted as far as like when you're reading what's going on. Like, did I need the whole story of where this? this antidote came from and everything else. No, probably not because you see it in past issues, but back then you didn't know where you were going to find the next issue. It wasn't like a, you know, you didn't have a lot of comic shops. If there were any at all uh, there for you to, to pick up an issue, you were picking it up at a grocery store or a, you know, a little convenience shop or a newsstand or something like that. So you may not have gotten issues 17 and 18 before you got issue 19. So knowing where, you know, the history of that antidote came from, um, it, it brought you up to speed. So you, you didn't feel like you were missing anything. So, or, or this was someone's first comic. Yeah, that too. That too. So, um, and I know that Marvel and, and even DC to an extent, they try to do like a recap page. Or like a, the first page is like a summary of what happened before. It's just not the same as actually putting it somewhere in the story to kind of bring you up to speed. So, um, full disclosure, I reread this like three times because I felt like I was missing stuff. <laughs> I, I would I would read a whole panel and go, no, wait a minute, did that make? And go back and read again and go, okay, that makes sense here and there. It's just yeah. there. It's 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 a deep. There's a lot of uh, there's a, a lot, lot of context. There's a lot there. Well, full disclosure, I've read this three times because uh, there was two other times we were supposed to cover this on for the show. So uh, fair enough. <laughs> not not to call out again my co-host or anything like that, but there were literally two other times that we were supposed to cover this issue, and then I would get the text message saying, "Hey, I didn't read it, uh, but I still want to record, so we would just record something else." Uh, so uh, tonight, I. Even though I've already read it twice, I wanted to be, have it fresh in my mind, so I did read it again tonight before we recorded. So, um, so this is my third time as well reading it. Um, going into that that next page there, uh, like I mentioned, we're sh- uh, Hawk showing the on the display there how uh, we can have basically have Cobra attack the base, thinking that they are destroying Joe headquarters, uh, and uh, they only remove things from the surface. Um, and, uh, they can set up this whole quarantine procedure because that's probably what Cobra's looking for, uh, to be able to find them because they know what their procedures are. Uh, and sure enough, at the bottom of that page, that's exactly what happens. They, they go through with this plan, the Joes do, and, uh, all of a sudden through satellite images, 
that evidently Cobra's either able to tap into or has their own satellites up there. They're able to see these procedures happening, and uh, Cobra Commander, in much joy, is very excited that they have found Joe Headquarters. Um, flipping to the next page there, I, I did want to comment that I really like the the look of Cobra Commander there. Like, I don't know what it is about him, but, like, the coloring and the outfit and everything else, I, I, maybe it's the turtleneck, I don't know. Uh, it, it all blends together really well, like a really yeah. nice, well-done uniform. Yeah, yeah, it, it just does work really well. Um, Cobra Commander talks about how they need to get Major Blood uh, be, out of there because he knows too much, and he almost slips up and mentions about how the Baroness... Uh, survive the attack and Destro says, you know, what are you talking about when it says, when you're saying the Baroness, uh, that she's dead? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I meant it was a good thing that she didn't survive because she would know, definitely would be someone that knows too much. And Destro's feeling a little bit suspicious about how he worded that, but Cobra Commander just kind of moves him along, uh, which I like the thought of Cobra Commander bumbling a little bit, but be able to catch himself and save himself. So he's not the, the bumbling idiot that we get in the cartoon as much here. It's it, he stumbles over himself, which a person could, I could see doing, but then he's smart enough to catch himself and kind of redirect Destro's attention to something else. Um, going into the bottom of the page there, we have Quinn and snake eyes and Quinn is asking, uh, as he calls snake eyes, shadow man. Uh, if he's going to stop him from taking the life of Dr. Venom. Uh, they jump down and surprise Dr. Venom, and uh, Dr. Venom wants to talk about it. <laughs> so let's, let's stop and talk. Of course. Yeah. Of course he does. Yeah. And, Qu- and Quinn is a is a big dude. Uh, that's one thing I've learned yeah, from these yeah. issues. <laughs> he's a mountain of a man. He's, yeah. he's, uh, he's had enough of Venom over the years. Oh, yeah. Or over the issues. Yeah. Um, and so Quinn, uh, grabs him, grabs Dr. Venom and, uh, is ready to put the hurt on him. But all of a sudden we hear all the, the whoop, whoop, whoop from the Cobra helicopters that are coming in. And, uh, these are not fangs. These are just Cobra helicopters, which would have been cool to have those, those as toys. They're impressive looking, right? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a Hasbro pulse. Or a HasLab project waiting to happen. Cobra right. helicopters. Yeah. Um, well, and we've noticed, like, in past issues, too. I remember, like, I think Robert mentioned on, on one of them. Uh, it may have been the car- one of the cartoon episodes. But, like, there's prime vehicles ready to be made that were never made that are just, like, th- that could be very easily made. Like, the APC, there was versions for Cobra that we saw in, like, certain episodes and certain issues. It's like... Yeah. It's just a repaint, but it would be, but Joe fans would love it. So, um, and then I found it really odd and weird choice, uh, the bottom left panel where they some go, yeah. oh, <laughs> go yeah, into that really that. stands out according to everything, you know, with everything else in this issue. Yeah. Like, again, I think it's, it's to help somebody that, like you were mentioning, might be their first issue or something like that to, to let them know where we're at and like what you know, it kind of sets up the next panels, but it just felt very out of place. It felt kind of weird to all of a sudden, like you have the chaplain there and it's a little map showing you where Fort Wadsworth is and what it, what that place is all about. So 
Um, but we see Scarlet is helping all the young, uh, chaplain assistants onto the, onto the buses. And, uh, thankfully Robert didn't have to draw a bunch of chaplains on buses, uh, like he did for 275. And, uh, they're being escorted out, uh, and they're going to, uh, Presidio in San Francisco, uh, which they were weirded out that they're being sent on buses rather than, you know, being flown out. Um, we see that, uh, while Bill is flying in on the Dragonfly, which the second I saw that made me very happy. Always love seeing Wild Bill in here. And, uh, he is bringing in the prisoner, which, uh, is Major Blood. Going on to the next page there, uh, we see that the, uh, some Joes are planting mines near the ambulances, uh, and Short Fuse doesn't feel too good about that. Uh, he's talking to Tripwire about it. He's like, isn't this go against the Geneva Convention, which I know you mentioned earlier? <laughs> um, and I found it interesting to say uh, that uh, uh, Tripwire pointed out that uh, American police departments have a lot of firearms and weapons that are illegal under the rules of the Geneva Convention. I'm wondering if that's true. It probably is, but never thought about it. And how do we trust? So I'm going to say yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, uh, and it, it'll be, we'll see a little bit later, like how this strategy works, but they're, yeah, they're putting little landmines around uh, where the ambulances are. And, uh, we have Wild Bill walking in, uh, with Major Blood. He's got a gun pointed to his back, uh, which looks like it's his classic six shooter there, which is yep. pretty awesome. Uh, and they're gonna tie Major Blood to a radiator there so that he can't get away. Now, uh, is that just a green shirt that's handcuffing him to the radiator? Cause I don't think they say a name, right? They don't say a name, and it looks like it's just a green shirt, uh, like the only person it could be close to potentially Run. would have been, well, I was going to say it could have been short fuse because we see short fuse in the panel above and he's got that red collar, but he doesn't have the, but he doesn't have the visor. He doesn't have the visor. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, I think it's just, I think it's just a red shirt or a green shirt. I should say red shirt. Yeah. Star Trek. Sure. Why not? <laughs> um, so then we have, uh, Breaker and Clutch. Wait a minute, did you say Star Trek? Are you okay? I'm I'm feeling a little feverish, so it's okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's fix that. Okay. I do know, I do that. know about red shirts. I at least know about okay. them. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I was suddenly talking to Chuck on the other end. <laughs> I can I can make I know enough about Star Trek to be dangerous. That's about it. <laughs> okay. Um. With the Star Trek stuff, can we get back to the? Yeah, to we'll the, get back to, to Joe. The, That'd be fine. Yeah, okay, cool. we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, Breaker and Clutch. Uh, they're out there and uh, says uh, they they're trying to. Uh, What's well, Breaker's wondering if Cobra will come by land or by uh, sea? And uh, Clutch thinks it'll be both. And then we see that Cobra from their uh, once they've landed their helicopters are about to storm this little shed. That has, that's a lot of troops to storm a shed. Like, that's a lot of troops. <laughs> well, all the helicopters that landed on that dock, I don't know if that was supported to handle that <laughs> right. amount of weight. Right. Um, and I get that Snake Eyes and Quinn are dangerous, but I'm like, 
probably could have bombed the shed from, I mean, I realize you would have killed Dr. Venom, but I don't think Cobra really cares too much anymore. Um, but yeah, he's expendable. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Quinn found, so a, here's our first, advertisement. here's our first advertisement for the first toy. Oh yeah. That, uh, you know, you know, we, we can't, we can't have an issue without promoting the newest toy. And here we go with the, uh, with the snake armor yes. in the, uh, in the background here, two different parts or two different snake armors. Yep. And it, and it's going to play a very prominent role, which is going to, of course, make kids back then go, I need to get that snake armor. Um, did you ever have that as a yep. kid? As a kid, no, but I came across one at a show a while back and ended up just putting in, uh, like a generic figure because I was like, oh, I'll just let it stand on its own. And it really didn't stand very well without a figure inside of it. Okay. But it's, uh, it's cool. I mean, at the time, I guess it made sense being so big and blocky and, yeah, and bulky, but, um, Again, going back to the classified stuff, that would be a great build-a-figure part. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You could throw a leg in this guy, and that, and next thing you know, you've got a maybe an eight, nine-inch um, snake armor that you could slap a trooper in there and be good to go. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I like that they're numbered, too. So I yes, that that's, nice that's always cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, Quinn was only able to find a, a Luger, and uh, he's like, we'll have to improvise. And, uh, Shadow Man, Snake Eyes, uh, starts putting on the boots for the snake armor. And Dr. Venom is like, oh yeah, it enhances the powers of the user. Uh, and so Quinn thinks they're in good shape then. And, uh, however, uh, what we find out is that once you're in that snake armor, you're under the control of whoever controls, you know, has a little controlling device. And right now that's Dr. Venom. So, Quinn thinks that Snake has come over to help, but in reality, he ends up taking the Luger out of Quinn's hands and slams him into a uh, the desk that's over there. And I'm pretty sure anyone else that would have broken them in half. Because <laughs> he's been... yeah, that that looks like a Gwen Stacy neck snap there. Right, the way his head is almost <laughs> right. almost back to. Uh... In the middle of his uh, shoulder blades there. That's, yeah, that's, that's a rough. That's a rough throw. Yeah, that that was a hit. That was quite a hit. So, and uh, understandably, he is knocked unconscious <laughs> because yeah. if not dead. <laughs> um. So uh, Destro comes in with the uh, Cobra Troopers and Co- and uh, looks like it's uh, Cobra Commander, but uh, can't. Uh, the coloring yes. is a little off on that one. So the coloring's off, and he has, and he has a bare hand. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I do think that that's supposed to be Cobra Commander there. Um, they talk. Uh, Doctor Venom talks about the Snake Battle Armor, uh, which is nice because that's when you get the product placement uh, name right there. Because um, right before then, it was just mentioned as armor. So uh, then uh, they put uh, he orders that Quinn be put into the other one, uh, and then he they can take him out to the field. And, uh, this is where it's described, like, exactly what they can do once they have them in the armor, that they have control of them. Uh, we then see at the bottom of the panel there, or bottom of the page, uh, Doc. And I don't know who that is with Doc. Uh, uh Cover Girl. Is, would that be Cover Girl? Okay. Uh, because General Flag says, Doc, I want you and Cover Girl to move. Oh, to the I missed the name there. There we go. Okay. 
good catch because yeah, I totally missed the name right there. She um, just kind of looked like more of a receptionist or an administrative assistant right. than cover girl. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Doc doesn't really want to move the Baroness, but General Flag says we this is what we need to do. Uh, you know, and Doc being Doc, he wants to make sure that the patient is you know survives and is okay. Uh, but he also has to follow orders. So, uh, going to the next page, we have uh, the garage level of the pit, and uh, we see that the prefab Joe base is almost put put together. Um, we have Hawk looking over the uh, the schematics there, the blueprints, and uh, he's being asked like, "How the heck are we going to get this out of here?" And, you know, we almost have it all built put together, but we can't. Because it's almost put together, we can't move it anywhere. And Hawk points out that we'll we'll put on the hydraulic lifts and bring the whole thing up to the floor, uh, top floor. Can we review that for a second? Yeah. If you uh, <laughs> if you take a look at the uh, the schematics of the hydraulic lifts, yeah, there's a lot of space in between. There there's there's a lot of floor that's that's going to have to rip apart and destroy. Yes, <laughs> I mean. I know it's a comic book. I'm trying to look at the comic book eyes. Right. But, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I'm thinking that by the time that thing busts through all those floors, that the top of that thing is not going to be in the grades of shape. Well, especially with it being a prefab. So it's not like you built it with, like, the sturdiest, like, steel and everything else that's designed to bust through the top. Like, you put together, like, this pieces, parts type thing to just look like your Joe base. And, uh, yeah, like you said, busting through, I don't see it really looking too good, at least not at the top of it. So, I mean, I know it's, you know, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I won't go that far. We'll, we'll, we'll con- continue on. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. No, you're good. Um, so we have, uh, uh, the Joes are escorting Major Blood out. He's blindfolded. Uh, they point out the fact that they're attaching him to, uh, the back of the vamp there. Uh, and, uh, for his own safety. And then, but Major Blood smells something in here. It's Scarface. Uh, and he's, <laughs> Major Blood basically tells him to keep his plague over there. Um, and, uh, as they're, as, uh, Breaker and Clutch are driving out of there, they see a bunch of, uh, I believe it's Cobra Fangs. I know they're drawn really small, but that's what they kind of look like. Um, in the distance there, they're coming towards the base. Uh, they radio in and Hawk, uh, tells Steeler they gotta get, get up top. Uh, and Steeler points out, well, what about, uh, Clutch and, uh, Breaker getting in? He's like, leave the garage door open, basically. So they do. They get inside. Missiles are being fired at them and the doors close just as the missiles hit and, uh, so get this big kaboom. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're good. I would say, were they driving in the vamp with Major Blood and Scarface out there to just kind of lure them towards That's how the base? I was it. Yeah. The reason why it doesn't, it doesn't say. Yeah, that's how I took it. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense because Cobra was already coming to the base. They already knew that this is where the base was, so they were already coming for an attack. But I guess it was like to show them, hey, here's the, here's where the prisoners are. So you want to come here, this is where you want to put your focus, uh, rather than just attacking an entire base and not knowing where the prisoners are, 
feeling like, oh, maybe, you know, these are people of value to them, at least Major Blood. So, um, but then, but then at or, the same time, they or, send miss, or, four missiles at them. <laughs> or they needed to hit a particular panel quota and they just that created that little, you know, yes. plot point in the story. That too. <laughs> um, and it could be that they, their intention was to kill Major Blood just because they know he has a lot of secrets. Cause like I said, I can't imagine rescuing Major Blood when you're sending four missiles after him, uh, in the vamp. So. Yeah. I would love to know how they survived that though. Cause I, I realize that there's the whole base underneath it and everything, but that's four missiles that just were right on your tail. <laughs> but, well, they pulled into that prefab base, which is the uh, next advertisement yeah. for the next toy. Oh yeah. The GI Joe headquarters. Yep. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Uh, and I loved seeing this too. Cause I was like, Oh man. And that's, Something I never owned as a kid. Uh, I do know that, uh, Rock, who is, was on the show last time, he has one and, uh, his kid had it and it's in good shape and he's gonna actually, we're gonna make a deal so that I can get that because I want it for a nice display piece for the Joe's figures that I have. So. It, it, I, I never owned one. I, I have a friend that, that has a comic book store in, uh, in South Jersey and he's got one up on display and he has like the dragon hawk set up and he's, oh, nice. he's got a vamp there. And as he acquires figures through various sales and stuff, he likes to add, especially the, the older, you know, closer to that timeline yeah. uh, of figures. And it's impressive, but you know, it's, uh, this was 83 when that probably came out. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we're coming up on, a long time ago, I don't want to say the word 40, <laughs> to that point. Yeah. And uh, how much longer are these things really going to hold up oh, over yeah. time there? Oh, yeah. It's going it's gonna to get hard, it's gonna get hard to, uh, to start transporting these things. You're going to yeah. start seeing fewer and fewer at shows because they're just going to oh, yeah. start falling apart more. Falling apart, yeah. Well, or not having all the pieces and things like that because things just disappear over time. Uh, you know, So finding a complete one is going to be tough. Um, like I said, I always wanted one. I'm certainly not one to complain about what I had as a kid because I, I had a, a lot. And I, of course, had one of the big grail pieces that a lot of people wanted as a kid. Um, but the Joe base was always something I thought looked really awesome and really cool. And for me now, that having that as my like display piece for showing my Joes off and everything else uh, means a lot more than having anything else because it's a nice piece that I can set up in a, in a a lot smaller area than I could like a, uh, a USS flag or a terror drone or something like that. So, um, yeah, you're giving up a room when you put the flag in place. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, Destro and Cobra are all attacking the, uh, Joe base. They brought like full force coming in. Like when you see that top down shot, there's, there's quite a few, his tanks and, and troopers and everything else that are coming in. Um, for this prefab base, uh, they, they have a lot of artillery going on though. That's, uh, they're doing all right. Um, and then we have. Nothing ha- got down. It's coming through up through the floors either. No, Amazing. no. Looks awesome. <laughs> Looks pristine. Like they built it right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, then the next page we see, uh, a little reminder that there's landmines. Uh, underneath the ambulances there and the Cobra troopers are heading in and sets one of them off and they go flying back. 
Uh, and Destro points out that they, the Joes have annihilated their air support and they've decimated the infantry cover, which might be a little excessive <laughs> of a description. Like, I don't know if they've taken out everything, but they've, uh, they've taken out like about six guys in a, in a couple helicopters so far. Um, but they, they were like, let's send the, uh, his tank squadrons in. And then we get the next, another toy placement, the pack rats. Which I always thought yeah, was very cool. Yeah, you know, and and here we are. We've got a torpedo, little one shot, and no Robert Atkins here tonight <laughs> to help us with that. That's right. Um, Tuesday nights, people, nine p.m. That's, that's right. That's the, make this happen. Right. That's right. Um, but yeah, we got the nice. Uh, like I said, the pack rats are are, are introduced here, and uh, where they they're brought into the battle and. That stands for uh, Programmed Assault Computer Rapid All-Terrain. I think they just wanted to use the term pack rat, and they just came up with what ac- what words would work for the acronym. Because <laughs> they- fever dreams in Hasbro, man, coming up with all these different acronyms. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but they, I, uh, I always liked they the pack they rats. Really out. Yeah, they were cool little like vehicle type things, um, and definitely fun to to bring into a battle and everything. So. Uh, also something I, I never had as a kid, but I think my cousin did, and they were really, like I said, I really liked them. I thought they were awesome. Yeah, the same. The closest I came to small little things like that were the backpacks oh, a couple yeah. of years later. Yep, I remember those. Um, so then we uh, see at the bottom of the panel there, Doc uh, is being uh, instigated. They're trying to antagonize Doc a bit there, Major Blood and Scarface are. And, uh, they're just like, oh, you know, you probably want to help your friends and, and everything else. And, uh, you know, you know, we're, we're all fine here. And so, you know, like, and Doc's like, just not having it. He's like, I, I'll be a lot better, you know, taking care of my patient here. So, um, what Doc wanted to say was sticks and sticks and stones <laughs> may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's right. Um, then the next page we see the pack rats, you know, doing some damage to the his tanks there, uh, which is pretty awesome. It's amazing how three little units are going to take out a whole battalion of his tanks, <laughs> but, uh, they're holding their own. So the, the question, the question I had actually with these is you see that the text is in a speaker like robotic kind of tone. Yeah. That, uh, can I assume that that's just stalker talking over the radio what they're doing or is that these things? saying what they're doing. I'm thinking it's saying what they're doing because it comes out in the very top panel. It comes out of one of them. Uh, and I, so I think it's meant to be like just robotic talk of what they're doing. Cause it's, it's very, it's not in any way in any type of form that a person would actually speak, you know? Um, right. So, so I, I think that's why the word balloons are the way they are. And like I said, the very top panel, you actually see it going from, one of them there. And I don't think it's meant to be like a speaker of somebody talking through them or anything like that. I could be wrong though, but that's how I, I took it. I kind of in the same boat with you. I'm thinking these things are, are synchronous in, in, in each other and communicate back and forth as what they're doing. Yeah. Um, then we see that, uh, Dr. Venom wants to send in the snake armors, which have snake eyes and Quinn in there, uh, and have them take out, the, the pack rats, which is exactly what they do. Um, and I, I found it interesting that, uh, Hawk 
happened to notice that the walk of one of them was somewhat familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he walks like a ninja. Right. Like, I, I think I would have bought it a little bit more if he was like, he was able to see into the visor of the, the snake armor and saw Snake Eyes' head in there. You know, like, that seems a little bit more believable than, you know, when, since he has a binoculars there, especially, other rather than, uh, yeah, the walk seems a little familiar to me, like, as if I've seen it before. <laughs> um, but, like I said, all the pack rats are taken out. Dr. Venom is, is just having a uh, whole field day there. Uh, makes a little reference to uh, the probe machine from issue 10, which was nice to see that little nod there. Uh, he's taunting Snake Eyes, which is the worst mistake you could ever make. Uh, you don't antagonize Snake Eyes because he's just going to use that as fuel to, to help himself. So, um, But Dr. Venom points out, like if you go to the next page, I actually really like that top panel there where it's like Snake Eyes, you see the inside of Snake Eyes' struggle and how he's trying to fight the, the mind control. Um, well, the brainwave scanner, isn't that a flashback oh, yeah. image of what was yep. in it before? Yes, okay. yeah, absolutely. Um, and Dr. Venom points out, he's like, uh, you think that you can uh, break this through concentration? And he's like, you're absolutely right, you can, but the level of pain that you're going to go through, uh, I thought this was really descriptive, especially because I'm not a fan of dentists. Um, is he says like a thousand mad dentists drilling away at your nerve endings. And I shouldn't say I, I don't like dentists. I am fine with the dentist. I don't like the tools that the dentists use. <laughs> yeah. No, I cringed reading that every time I read it and I just yeah. kind of got shivers th- th- yeah. this time when you just said it out loud. I'm yeah. not even going to repeat it either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what ends up, uh, happening is, uh, you know, it points out that they cannot attack uh, Dr. Venom, because he's in uh, a blue his tank, and the snake armor will not allow him to uh, shoot anything that's in Cobra Blue. That was mentioned earlier in the issue. Uh, but the snake armors are uh, uh, vulnerable to each other, and Snake Eyes is actually able to blast the restraints on the sides there free for Quinn to be able to escape. And Quinn jumps out and grabs one of the little damaged pack rats, which either Quinn is a massive dude or the pack rat's a lot smaller than I thought. (laughs) So when I saw this, I went back and was looking at the size of the pack rats and trying to line them up with the size of a his tank. Right. And then I go back to this and I go back to that. I'm like, (laughs) there's, it's like, Megatron going from being a giant <laughs> robot to being a small pistol. There's right. some mass distortion that's that's happening here, and I'm just going to go with it. Right. Well, and I don't even take it so much from the the his tank because that could I I can excuse that for like perspective and everything Distance else. And, yeah, depth but perception. But but it's even the page before that, which is which had tripwire letting them out. That kind of shows you the the size that they are, and I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, because the gun is up past the waist of Torpedo. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, well, uh, all right, it's that's yeah. a decent size, but Quinn just says, no, no, yeah. you're going to pick it you're up. You're going to work with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like you said, I'm just going to go with it. Uh, he ends up shooting uh, uh, the his tank, and which, and I think he shoots the driver. So Takes the driver, yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, oh yeah, because he says your driver can't help you now. Uh, and then he comes right at Dr. Venom. And while that's going on, you get the, his tanks are attacking. You got, and now you get our favorite boy Ace showing up, uh, alongside Wild Bill in the Dragonfly. And of course, the only thing I could think of was, is Ace going to crash? But he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I made a note of that. Ace <laughs> does not crash in this issue. <laughs> Uh, and I and I realize it happens more in the cartoon than it does in the comic, but just it's just something that will always be ingrained in me. Um, and I think too that was something from the last episode too, where um, I think it was Rock or somebody pointed out like like you guys. Uh, oh no, it was Grub. He says you guys always have it ingrained in my brain now that Ace might crash, and I was like, I didn't put it in there. That's what the show did. <laughs> the show had Ace crash many times. <laughs> Yeah, that's Sunbow's problem. Yeah, that's not that would be like me like blaming me for how many times Duke gets captured. No, Duke got captured a lot. That's just that's what happened in the cartoon. So so and I love how we've got the the tack air coming to save the day, but yes. it's one airplane and one helicopter. And Man, that's all you need Cobra when you got Ace brought, and Wild Bill. That's Cobra all you need. Brought, Cobra brought like I don't know three dozen Cobra <laughs> right. Fangs, right? And, you know, but. We get one helicopter and one airplane, and and then we, if you we look in, in the next the, one, we got uh, one Mobat and one uh, APC and one Wolverine, and I'm assuming that uh, trying and I think the motorcycle the, there is yeah, you've got the Ram, the which Ram. someone's sitting okay. in the back of it. It's not the Silver Mirage because yeah, they would not, be in the sidecar. Yeah, I was gonna say because the sidecar's got the machine gun thing, so. Then I, then I started doing a head count because I'm like, you know, crazy like that. I'm like, all right, there's two guys in the vamp. There's one person in the Wolverine. There's two people on the Ram. There's two people. There's one person, maybe two people in the Mobat, depending on. Yeah. For the figure, it's one, but there might be two in there. Right. And then you got ATC loaded up with a bunch of, I'm hoping, green shirts because at this point, was there enough people to fill all that out? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They did have quite a few characters appear in this issue, though, so yeah. which was good. Um, so then we go to the next page here, and we have uh, Quinn holding Dr. Venom. He's got a grenade in his hand, and uh, he starts going into his, his weasel talk, uh, how he's got to get the get into the uh, belly of Dr. Venom to get the cancer out of him, and uh, got to use more drastic measures than a knife, so that's why he's got the grenade. Um, so, you know, Quinn's going full on crazy right now. <laughs> can, can we take note to the, the two panels in particular, the one of Dr. Venom in fear and Quinn, the art in that yeah. is probably the best two panels in the entire, in the entire book. Oh yeah. And the, the, the third panel there, uh, it's very reminiscent of like, uh, uh almost like the incredible Hulk. He's got almost that type of. Yeah facial features yep. and everything else, but awesome detail to them and everything. So like no. the look of fear just in, in the eyes of Dr. Venom. Yeah. Is, it's, it did a really, really good job on that. Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, then we get, uh, we get, I assume it's a fang. Uh, oh yeah, it does say a fang. Cause I got confused cause they were talking about how it only can hold two people. I'm like a fang can hold one person, <laughs> but, um, so anyway, the Fang lands. Uh, there, the trooper there is gonna do an uh, explosive, 
And it's supposed to set for 30 seconds, but he wants to give himself some extra time, so he's going to set it for a few extra minutes. Uh, but he knows the right. timer's look, jammed look on it. That, look at that panel. Look at the rail for the fang. Yeah. They included the peg in it. They did. I did not even notice that. That's a nice catch. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. So there's two people you can put on there, three people on each side. That's you just right. have to duck. That's right. But I'm thinking one of them can't be someone that's wrapped up as a mummy and incapacitated. <laughs> yeah, probably not. They don't have the stretcher attached no, for the fang. They do not. Um, so Doc hears a noise uh, that sounds like a helicopter, and he just gets himself a little too close to Major Blood, who then clocks him out with his uh, mechanical arm there. And uh, this I found interesting, too, because he's like, he got the keys to the handcuffs, but I was like, you knocked him out and he's laying pretty far from you. How did you get to him to get the keys? But we'll just go with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, go with it. Cause yeah. I'm going to say there must be some sort of spring loaded mechanism in the, uh, go, go gadget bionic. Armor there you case. go. We'll go with that. That sounds good. Um, Marvel no prize. There. there you go. So, uh, major blood on, uh, unchains himself. Uh, Scarface wants to know about him. Uh, hey, aren't you going to let me go? And uh, he says there's only enough room for two people on the fang, and he feels like he'll uh, barrenness would be a better commodity. Uh, right then, General Flag comes in, and he's holding a gun to uh, Major Blood, and uh, Scarface kicks the gun out of General Flag's hand. Major Blood Picks it, uh, catches it, it seems like in the air, based on the, how it was drawn there, and shoots General Flag, uh, and Scarface is like, aren't you going to release me? I just saved your life. And he's like, I'm, I'll write, I love this. He's like, I'll write a poem about you <laughs> someday. <laughs> I really love that line. Like, like, nope, there's still only room for two, and she's still more important than you, but yeah, I'll, I'll write a poem about you. Um, Major Blood gets up to the rooftop, uh, shoots the trooper who was setting the, uh, the bomb, uh, and he, he looks like he set it for about five minutes. So there's still plenty of time. We get the whole tick, tick, tick going, uh, through the rest of the pages. Um, going on to the next page there, we have, uh, Quinn going into his whole, more of his weasel talk. And this is where I did the AKA because he says the weasel taunts me. He whines and whimpers. He wants blood. He lives in your belly, yet he craves your death. The weasel isn't strong like the bear. The, the weasel relies on cunning. He lies. The weasel spirit lives in me also. I am the biggest liar here, and I have lied to myself. You cannot fight the weasel and others until you conquer him within. I mean, that just should be a life lesson. That should be like on a plaque somewhere. <laughs> that should be the end of one of the... Uh, cartoons. Yeah, there you go. We should have had as a, uh, the, the as kids would be like, and now I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think the kids would look more like confused as to what the hell he just said. No, <laughs> at the end of that speech, that's when Roblox comes in and goes, drugs are bad, kids. Drugs are bad. <laughs> that's right. Um, but Quinn decides, uh, basically this all leads up to Quinn deciding that he's not going to, uh, kill Dr. Venom because it would, uh, basically squander a life and he's, had too much uh, squandered in his own life, basically. Um, Snake Eyes comes running up to uh, Breaker and Clutch, and they're thrilled to see him because, of course, they thought he was dead. Um, 
Doc is getting General Flag out of there, and Scarface is like, you can't leave me here, and he's like, Blood took the keys with him. He's like, there's nothing I can do. Um, and then we get Dr. Venom, uh, who is not re- relieved or grateful in any way, shape, or form that he, that Quinn let him live, uh, and he shoots Quinn in the back. And, uh, basically, Dr. Venom wonders if he has enough in him to, to try to strangle him with his last breath, but Quinn basically just says that there's nothing left, there's no anger left in me. He's like, I've made peace with, with the weasel, and, uh, he falls over. And, uh, it's pointed out that he's dead, uh, and, uh, I believe it was, uh, Clutch there says, you know, what's that in his hand? It looks like, and it's a grenade, and it falls at Dr. Venom's feet, and Dr. Venom says, fallen from a dead man's hand, and boom, explosion. And That's we kn- another good panel. Yeah, it is really good. Well, it's, it's nice, it's a nice, uh, layout too of like how that all plays out. Like you've got the, um, you know, Quinn coming to terms with, you know, finally having peace. And of course that's when he dies. But then you have the, the whole falling down, the, the grenade coming out, uh, Dr. Venom realizing what's happening. And then you get the explosion and Snake Eyes saving Breaker and, and Clutch there. It's just, it's nice pacing and everything. So. Yes. Um, and as we know, uh, that is not the last we see of Dr. Venom, but, uh, surprisingly, <laughs> uh, he does, he does appear later on. Uh, he gets better. He gets better. Yes. Uh, then we get the tick, tick, tick and the boom, uh, the explosion. And, uh, Doc points out that he couldn't stop the bleeding. General Flag is dead. Uh, and Destro, uh, and Cobra Commander. Decide to do uh, regroup and retreat. Uh, they believe they've destroyed the Joe headquarters, and uh, the Joes realize that they just they just won. Uh, that even though Cobra thinks that they won, in reality the Joes won. And uh, this was just awesome because like everybody's celebrating, they're trying to account for everybody, and when everyone finally shows up, uh, which is you know Breaker and and Doc and all of them. Uh, they show that Quinn has died and that General Flag has died, and you get Hawk doing the the slow like just one uh, major victory. Like it's really not a victory for him because of what they lost. So, and that's the end. So, really, really good issue. Oh yeah, it's a it's a great issue. Uh, really, like you said, it gets it gets dark. Uh, you know. These are some of the f- first, like, really impactful deaths that we get in the Joe title. Um, first of any in the yes. Marvel run. Yes. Let's remember. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, we've been on this journey with Quinn for since issue two. Um, you know, him going after Dr. Venom, his reasons for going after him and everything. And then uh, we get General Flag. And I did look up some stuff about General Flag because I was just kind of curious um, – I know that his son appears in Joe later on. Um, and so General Flag is in the Devil's Due run. General Flag is shown in the full G.I. Joe character roster on the cover of the first issue of World War Three, along with his son uh, in America's Elite series. Uh, also, the General, uh, General Flag is in a flashback to the early days of G.I. Joe. 
an undercover operative is using a, a public payphone to report to General Flagg. Uh, the man tries to convince his superior that many Cobra soldiers are not just uh, are not bad; they're just confused. Uh, in an alternate continuity in Devil's Due, General Flagg starts the GI Joe team in response to an alien robot attack on a presidential press conference. Um, and in the Sunbow cartoon, General Flagg appeared in this uh, cartoon. Uh, he's shown in the first GI Joe animated miniseries, The Mass Device. Um, but for the course of the series run, he never appeared again. So he, he appeared in that one episode, and that was it. He never had a figure until 2004, uh, which is when he appeared in a comic pack release. Uh, and he appeared with G.I. Joe member Steeler and a generic Cobra officer. And it, the comic that was in there was issue number five, uh, a reprint of issue number five. So I thought since we, we lost a prominent Joe, it was good to kind of like talk about where, where else he appeared since then. Uh, since this issue. And also I knew, I knew that he had a figure made, but I didn't remember when I knew it was much later. Um, sad to say they didn't really focus too much on making figures on based on characters that were in the comics until much later. So yeah, Quinn never got the love that he really needed till, till after the original line yeah. you know, ended and brought stuff back in the two thousands. Yep. And I do have the Quinn figure, and it's a it's a really well done figure. I'm I'm at least happy with the figure that they did of him. So, um, but it was amazing because you actually got Snake Eyes with the Weasel necklace before you even got a Quinn figure. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting, but but yeah, I thought a great great issue. Um, I found it interesting too with the um, their plan was basically this prefab Joe base. They they kind of intended all along that. Cobra was going to destroy it. Um, but they still put up a hell of a fight to make it convincing. <laughs> um, and the only, I get, I, I see some flaws with the logic because I'm like, well, if you just build up around that again, doesn't Cobra still know where the base is? Like, wouldn't they think that you just rebuilt it or something like that? But I guess not. I guess the thought is like, once the Joe base is destroyed, that Joe has to find a new headquarters. So. But yeah, love the issue. Uh, these early issues of Joe are just really well done. Uh, you get a lot of good character development. You get a lot of good uh, character moments. This issue is definitely a, a high point for for that. So, you know, it's funny. I was just trying to think in my head, going, "Oh, well, yeah, the first twenty five are great." But I'm like, "No," but then there's some good stuff in the thirties, and then I'm like, "No, well, there's still good stuff in the forties." And I'm trying to find a run where I can say, "Oh no, the first, you know." 120 issues were good. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't narrow it down to like a golden age of the of yeah. the Marvel comics because it's it's such a great story that yeah. just continues on all the way through. I, would, I mean, yeah, you, I would there, say there's when, a little. Yeah, once you get into like the 60s and 70s, it starts getting a little bit more wonky. Um, but but there's like to your point though, there's still great issues in there too. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like once you really start getting later and you got some of the Transformer yeah. stuff and some of the some Ninja of the Ninja Force stuff. Force yeah. kind of goes a little little bit much, you know. Yeah. I, I, I I feel like my my sweet spot is uh you know, like the first one hundred and you know, fifteen issues are great. <laughs> yep. And then there's only 150 
It was only, what, 154, right? 100, so, I mean, yeah. 100, no? Well, 155. There was 155 because they did 155 and a half, I believe. Or, Correct. Yeah. So, still, not a bad average. Yeah. And then when IDW came back, I, I liked they kind of brought it back to those roots uh, of those yes. early issues and everything else. So, um, I mean, generally, I only read the, the Hama stuff. I, yeah. I haven't. I've tried. I've dipped my toes in some of the other comic stuff. I mean, yeah. there's... Some stuff that's been okay. There's yeah. some stuff that's been really good, but yeah. just doesn't carry on. And then there's some other stuff that's just got awful and dreadful. Yeah. But oh, yeah. you know, yeah, they, for sure. The ID, they, they the, the beginning forever. of the IDW run was really, really strong. Like the very first stuff that they did, the stuff that uh, was Chuck yeah. Dixon and uh, uh, Mike Costa and stuff like that. Like that stuff was extremely strong. And then it just kind of they tried to do some other things later on because I'm sure sales were kind of dipping, so they tried to reinvent it, and that's when they kind of went off the rails. Um, you know. The, they there was a f- a few good runs in be- in in between there that just never really got enough footing underneath them. Uh, but like you said, there's some really bad stuff in there too. The current GI Joe uh, title from IDW, I didn't I warmed up to it because the first couple issues, uh, two or three issues, I didn't really I thought were I didn't like the first issue much at all, but then after that, they got a little bit better. And then once we got into like issue, I think it's four or something like that. And it was kind of focused. It was more of a character spotlight on major blood, the major blood character. That was really good. And it just got better and better. And I, I'm still a few issues behind on it right now. Like, I don't think I read issues eight, nine and 10, uh, which kind of wrap up the first story arc and everything else. But um, I know issue seven was amazing because that's, that was more of the, that's the one that they made available for like veteran suicide and stuff like that. Uh, for, and they made it free for everybody to read and that was really good. So I have some hope on, on that one doing well. Uh, it's written by Paul Aller and he's done really great stuff for the turtles and everything else. So he knows how to write really good stories. Um, and, but yeah, I, I feel like, the Real American Hero stuff is still solid. There's still some weak points in that, because if I have to read about Blue Ninjas anymore, I'm going to scream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Well, the, the Paul Aller stuff, I haven't had a chance to read it, but, yeah. um, you know, as a as a G.I. Joe fan, I've been listening to the Star Joe, or to the uh, What's on Joe Mine podcast, yeah. and yeah. congratulations to them for 10 years yeah. of uh, of being out there. For and, sure. And uh, I'm going to play. I'm going to plug the damn show for him because it's, it's some, oh, some of the co- I love those guys. <laughs> yeah. No, they're awesome. No, um, we've always gotten along and, with them. I, I, I and, will always plug them. So, and the, uh, the Paul Aller stuff that I know they've had him on before and they, they discussed issue seven yeah. and they just had him on recently and talking more about it. It's one of those things where I'm going to go back probably in trade form and just kind of, just kind of get caught up that way yeah. at some point when, uh, when I get caught up with a bunch of my other stuff, which is nice because I know I can just go back at some point. Oh, and yeah. go, All right. I need to find GI Joe book. What's a good GI Joe book? Yeah. All right, cool. I'm going to read this yeah. one and, and then be happy. And go like I said, for me, the first few issues weren't the strongest, but then you kind of needed them to kind of get where they were going. And then, then it gets really strong. Like I said, I believe it's issue four that it, it may be issue three, but I'm almost positive issue four when it gets like really strong character stuff. Like they do an awesome job of introducing the dreadnoughts. I really loved that issue and, and cause it, it gave the dreadnoughts a purpose for being the dreadnoughts. Um, instead of just being a bunch of, you know, 
biker guys uh, out in a swamp, which is still cool too. But uh, this kind of gave them some purpose as to why they were doing what they're doing, and uh, I really liked that story a lot as well. So, so yeah, it's it's worth checking out. Like if people kind of gave up on it after reading the first issue or the first two issues, I understand, but I would say it's worth going back and checking out. Um, it's much better than some of the stuff that they they did before um, with like um, uh, Citizen or with um, trying to remember the other. We had him on the show too. Uh, Fred yeah. Fred Van Lente. Fred Van Lente, yeah. Which I love Fred Van Lente. I love his writing, but it just didn't work for Joe uh, with what he was doing. So, yeah, the first what was how many how many issues were of that? I'm trying to remember because I feel lot. like the first handful of issues were okay. Yeah, but then there was like a wasn't there like a gap in between where there was a break and then it came back and it wasn't quite the same. Or yeah, they start getting involved with a lot of the. Um, the IDW multiverse where they started including yeah. Transformer. That was the is that, that was the Citizen stuff and uh yeah. that's where it kind of started falling apart. Now if you read the crossover issues like the the actual revolution and all that type of stuff, those actual issues were really good. I actually liked what they did with G.I. Joe to incorporate them into everything. But it was always the G.I. Joe actual title that I didn't think was very good at all. Um yeah. but uh, and then there was, I'm trying to remember the, the female writer that we had on the show too, uh, that took, that did Joe for a little while. I loved what she was doing with it. They just didn't give her enough time to, to keep going with it. Um, but, but like I said, it's, uh, we'll see where things go. I, I loved the untold tales, uh, that they recently did. Uh, the special missions issues were really awesome that they did uh, recently. The special missions ones were pretty good too. Yeah. And even when they did, uh, um, they did the special issue, it was special, um, missions one a couple years ago. Not, yeah. not the ones that were tied into Real American Hero, but it was its own right. standalone. Yeah. They, yeah. they were some pretty good ones. Yeah. Too. There were some good ones in there for sure. So, all right. Uh, so that's, that's a wrap. And we will probably, uh, I'm hoping maybe in the next couple months or so we'll revisit, uh, uh, G.I. Joe again to cover issue 20. Uh, but Anthony, where can they find you, uh, and the stuff that you do? So I'm on Facebook as Anthony Hasseel, but if you want to follow any of my toy related stuff, uh, I go by the toy forge on Facebook as well as Instagram. Uh, I, I specialize in 112, uh, fantasy style figures, uh, for mythic legions and, some of the Motu origin figures that are out there trying to dabble in some parts and pieces for that. So feel free to go out there, hit me a message. You see something you like, just say, Hey, how do I get it? Go about getting this. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. And that stuff's pretty awesome. Uh, so definitely worth checking out. Uh, you can find us at starjoes, uh, com. Uh, we're on Facebook. There's a fan page and a group page. Uh, if you submit to be part of the group page, we'll approve it as soon as we possibly can. Uh, we're getting close. If we're not already there around, we're getting close to 500 people on the group page. We have close, we're getting close to 10,000 people on the fan page, uh, which is awesome. Uh, and, uh, there's Instagram, which I'm still trying to figure out if I'm going to start doing comic reviews on Instagram again. Uh, it was getting some good traction and then it kind of stalled out. So I kind of stopped doing that. Uh, but I'm thinking I might revisit that and, and post some quick reviews, uh, on there. And then, uh, and then there's Twitter as well. So, which is at Star Joe's podcast. So, 
Um, but I believe that's everything. You can call and leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-J-O-E-S. Uh, it is still alive and well, so please call and leave us a voicemail. And we'll, we'll play it and respond to it on the air. Uh, I would greatly appreciate it. So with that, we'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the Force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. Thank you.